Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the weekly Run As Well podcast. With me, Jane McGuire, filling in for the lovely Rick and Ben Hobson. Every Tuesday, we'll be bringing you the latest news and views alongside in-depth interviews with inspiring runners. This week, we are speaking with Andy Badley and Charlotte Arter, who both hold the world records for the fastest park runs, so we'll be finding out the secret to their speedy success. I'm excited. I need some help with my 5K time, but before we get going, I have an admission to make. Okay. I have signed up for park run. I have my code... But I've never actually made it. Oh my god. The shock. I know. I feel like we need to get it out of the way really quick before they arrive. The shock and dismay sweeping over me right now is disappointment really, I can see in your face. But I actually also have an admission to make. (laughs) I too have my code. I've never attended a park run. Why but why have you never been? I think it's because I've always done my long run. On a Saturday morning. Mm. Well, when training for marathons. When training for anything. Because I like to get it done. Mm. And you've got your whole weekend. Obviously, with London, I did my, for anyone who avidly listens, I did my long runs on Friday morning. Um, So park run with Saturday with either recovery day or long run day. Got it. And I know some people do park run as part of their long run. But for me, that was just too much to try and organise. That's my very lame excuse well my excuse is even worse it's just lazy right i always really like saturday mornings lions yeah and i never and i haven't broken that habit i mean i don't really get lions anymore but that is the reason why so maybe maybe once we've spoken to andy and charlotte we'll be converted here we go here we go this is the runner's world podcast It's not often that we have the pleasure of an Olympian joining us, but today we have just that, having represented the nation in the 1500 metres at Beijing and London. However, it is perhaps his world record park run that he's best known for, and that makes him the perfect person to ask about running a very fast 5k. Andy Badley, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, I think before we get into the, the 5k stuff, we need to talk about the Olympics. What is that like? Yeah, it's nice actually to be asked about that. I think all everyone ever wants to talk about is park run. <laughs> well, later. But we'll talk about the Olympics first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, it feels like a, a lifetime ago now, but yeah, two very different experiences for me, Beijing and London, mm. uh, probably because of the fact that one was my, my first. It was that magic of um, being in a, you know, what felt like a totally different world, the other side of the world, um, running in front of that many people at the thing that I'd always dreamed of running in as a kid. 
and then the next one four years later with all of the build up to it in your you know I'm not from London but but I was living in London at that yeah. time and um that, that was that was very different but but both brilliant and what was your training like prior to these two things same sort of approach or was each one different uh yeah yeah similar um I definitely had my fair share of ups and downs in between the two um and tried lots of different things in training um and ended up just really trying to simplify it for 2012. I think, you know, people talk about drugs, cheats and things like that a lot, mm. in, in particular in, in the 1500 metres, although it seems like they've been caught more in, in the women's event. Um, but that definitely, the, the levels at which we were having to perform meant that in between the two Olympics, I chased things harder than I probably needed to and right. changed things that I didn't need to change because I was pretty good in 2008 and probably should have just kept doing the same and, and kept it really simple. Um, so yeah, it, it was slightly different. I actually, the thing I don't haven't had a chance, I guess, to talk about that much was my prep for the Beijing Games was actually pretty awful. So I, all through that year in 2008, I was winning races and, and competing really well and having the best season ever. I was really confident. And then actually three weeks out, the day I was supposed to, or the day before I was supposed to fly out for, for the Games, for the holding camp in Macau, um, I really badly hurt my Achilles uh, in training. And so I got onto the um, onto the plane more or less on, on crutches, and I couldn't run at all in Macau in the two weeks that I was there. Wow! Um, so actually, my coach's one of his favourite stories is we went down to the the track at the training camp in Macau, and you know all of the other athletes are there, um, some first time Olympians, some like really experienced or, or maybe even medalists, and then coaches who've also seen it all, and, and they're different events, long jump, the, the field events, everybody's there. And everyone knows that it's, you know, by this point we've been in the holding camp for 10 days or so, that that's the last session most people are doing before they're flying out. And people are talking, oh, what's your session? And obviously in most cases it's time trials or something really sharp. Mm. And um, the coaches asked my coach what I was doing. And because it was the first day I'd been able to run in, in a couple of weeks. Um, and he was like, all right, yeah, I think Andy's just going to do uh, four or five laps of the track, jogging, <laughs> the, uh, jogging the bends and, and striding the straights. We'll see how we go. Oh, nice. <laughs> that must have been terrifying. Were you just on the start line, like, what if things go wrong, or was it a bit... Yeah, it was, I mean, it was because I had no, I knew I was super fit before flying out, and and I couldn't even really cross-train properly or anything like that, and um, I was having a lot of treatment every day. Couldn't jog, couldn't do anything in spikes or at race pace or anything like that, so you worry about what's happened in that three-week period. Mm-hmm. But actually, every when I got on the track in front of, like, the bird's nest was an incredible mm. place to run totally different to London everyone felt really on top of you at the bird's nest it's much more kind of vertical I guess um, and the atmosphere is really different because of that um, and so yeah getting getting on the track as soon as I was on the start line I felt I felt great um, and the adrenaline took over and then I guess the the instinct and the um, confidence that I had for the rest of the season took over yeah. um, but the, the difficulty was obviously I had to run three rounds um, and actually it took a full 48 hours every time to recover so again I couldn't run in between yeah. I couldn't really do a warm down I couldn't um, go out and jog the day between my heats and semi-final and semi-final and final which is what I would normally have done so it was a totally uh, unique process for me um, and one I'm pretty proud of from a I guess mental resilience mm. side of things um, but it definitely it was one race too far for me in the final probably slightly because of that build up Wow, that's mad. I didn't. I mean, it's one of those things that you never really know about. 
until someone sits down and tells you that that's exactly how they put, you know, they got to the Olympics in fine fettle and then all it takes is one thing to off, you know, off put the whole process. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and, and broadly people are preparing for these things for, for four years. We're looking at athletics that we have um, lots of different competitions in, in between, but that's what, certainly between 2008 and 2012, that's what I spent all my time thinking about was the Olympics. And, right. and then you have what could be for me three and a bit minutes and then it's it's all over, but. Luckily, I got I got through the rounds, and you get another chance and uh, another chance to perform and go through that whole horrific, terrifying, nerve-wracking process again. Your distance of choice was fifteen hundred meters. How much did you enjoy racing that distance? Yeah, I, I fell into it a little bit. I definitely, as a kid, started as a well, I did cross country. That was the, my very first introduction to running at age sort of ten or eleven. Um, but on the track, I, I wanted to run as short as possible. Yeah. Um, and had I been faster, <laughs> I would have obviously gone shorter. And I did, right up until probably 15 or 16, stick to the 800, despite the protestations of my then uh, coach, um, who wanted me to run longer, but I was broadly too lazy. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. it um, but I wasn't that good at the 800 metres, and, and I never made the English schools, and all of a sudden it was time to sort of bite the bullet and listen to him. Yeah. And... Um, so yeah, I did at age fifteen or sixteen, step up to to fifteen hundred, and was you know significantly better on a national scale in terms of like where I would rank, and all of a sudden qualify for the English schools in my last three years at school, um, and yeah, that's that's definitely always been the distance closest to my heart at that, throughout my career. That was the thing I felt comfortable at. It didn't mean I wasn't nervous, but it it was the you know I, I understood and, and think I learned as I went on yeah. the. The nuances of running the 1500 meters which is you know every event has its own tactics and its own um mental challenges um and the 1500 meters i think is is really tough because you're you know broadly going as hard as you can yeah. right from the start um and at every point when you know you've got to push just pushing that you you've, you feel that you know you have to push just to keep the same pace going and that's that's something that's quite difficult in the mental prep beforehand because i know I'm going to hurt and I know yeah. it's going to be awful um, and I know that and then everyone thinks oh well you're really you know you're really good or you're you're a professional but actually the amount that you have to hurt yourself probably doesn't change yeah it's true it's, everyone feels the pain right regardless of what they're up to um, so we've got to sort of 2012 and the Olympics and but stepping away from the track and, and on to the park run time um, was it a planned thing? I mean, were you obviously in good condition for, for the Olympics, so you, you, you've sort of got to a point in your training, but on the day, did you think, right, I've got this, or was it just a sort of, it was just a good day out? Uh, it wasn't planned, as in it was not, I never would have sat down at the beginning of the season for, you know, the 2012 Olympic season. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll put a park run in there. <laughs> um, but we did use park runs a lot as part of my training, sometimes sort of officially and, and registering my time, sometimes mm-hmm. as, as like a lap within a longer session. Um, and actually that came about in Bushy because Bushy was where I did most of my training. It was where I was really familiar. You know, I knew a lot of the guys who organised it and, mm. and stuff like that. And actually it was, I, no, I got knocked out in the semi-finals in London. I would have been the next the next guy into the final. So yeah. that was really frustrating. And I didn't really know how to deal with it. I've spoken to people about this recently, actually, how no one really prepares you for... All, of, all the mental preparation, the, the sports psychology, the, the work with your coach and yeah. the things you chat about are the build-up and then the actual race. But the, there's, I think if you speak to any athlete, there's that kind of dead feeling, whether or not you've been in the final and, and done well or whether you've just got knocked out in the rounds, it's mm. all of a sudden, well, what, what now? 
important, right. especially because the Olympics is still going on. So you can't go and yeah, and you find, can't escape it, I guess. Yeah, everyone's talking about it. It's on TV everywhere, and, and you can't just go and get it out of your system by doing a, another race. Yeah. You know, everything that you like, everything pales into comparison compared to to running in that stadium in front of those that amazing crowd. Um, and it is a bit of an empty feeling, and actually snapping out of that and, and then coming back for often what other races where you could earn money at the end of the season um is really difficult and i always struggled with that actually i never ran particularly well after a championships because for me the championships were everything fast times were, were cool and doing well in diamond leagues and stuff was was brilliant um but making the team in the national champs and then running at the olympics was or the you know or the, the national or the major championships that were that year that was everything for me so actually my coach said to me when i got knocked out he, he gave me you know 24 hours or 36 hours or so and said right okay Let's do let's do bushy on Saturday. Let's get let's go and go as hard as you can. Amazing. And, and actually, I used to train with with Craig Mottram from Australia, and it was his record um, was 14 minutes flat um, at that time uh, on a slightly different course, I think actually. Um, but that was what I wanted. I wanted to go and try and get the time for bushy. I didn't even think about the kind of wider context of park runs in, in the UK or, or globally, but that course, because I trained on it so often, that was... I see, there was an extra sort of like familiarity, but also sort of, not ownership, but kind of like staking your claim perhaps at your ground kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I probably didn't think about it, but yeah, maybe maybe a little bit. <laughs> Everyone has that route that they love running, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to... Yeah, that's, that's a route that there's... Um, it's they changed the course now at Bushy, but when we did it, it, it used the full um, sort of outer path on that side of the park on the gravel. Yeah. And we did, I did, must have done, you know, hundreds of miles along there, yeah. you know, tempo runs and, and K reps and all sorts of stuff because we, we didn't train on the track that often. Um, so I did a lot of work on that. And, and so, yeah, I was really comfortable. I knew I had my little markers, little tree stumps, and, and all that sort of stuff. So super comfortable there. And then, and then my coach came out on the bike and he, um, he was shouting support as well as I was going along, yeah. And for the, I'm sure everyone who does park run will know, but what was your time on that day? Uh, 13.48. Wow. Imagine. Speedy. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying now. <laughs> if I try and go to a park run now, it's a bit um, bit of a wake-up call. But, but but back then, yeah, it was, I was in really good shape. It was straight after the Olympics. And um, my coach isn't the most hasn't always been the most sort of technologically minded so I'd given him we talked about what the pace would be for exactly 14 minutes and that was the planned pace so yeah. I'd set him up with a Garmin and um, he he was planning to ride on the bike alongside me yeah. um, anyone that knows Bushy Park there's a central avenue on the road alongside the, the where it used to start on the, the avenue on the grass and he he head off on the bike down there and then he kind of cut in in front of me after about a k and um, and uh, he was quite a long way in front of me, a good 20, 30 metres in front of me. And he was mm. turning around and shouting, you know, this is the pace, this is the pace, get on me, get on me. And I was, you know, in my opinion, I was all out already. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so then I managed to keep on him. And then he's, he has a brilliant, um, we've always had a, a brilliant relationship where he understood my limits. And he yeah. could always tell whether I was like, you know, because it's half a second, a second a mile makes all, all the difference. Mm. Um, and I stuck on him and he, and he was... Uh, with me for maybe the, the middle 3k of the 5k and then he peeled off um, and then when I crossed the line I thought like, oh, did I do it did I do it he's like I have no idea though the watch turned itself <laughs> off <laughs> um, not a clue yeah so so he'd been doing it completely <laughs> blind he had no idea how fast I was running oh that's um, I mean that in itself is very interesting isn't it this, this, that power of persuasion yeah I was absolutely convinced that he knew what the pace was and so I had to be on it and if it was hurting more than I expected then that was tough because right. that was what I wanted to go and do it's amazing. So, I mean, if, if there was, I mean, parkrun is such a, a massive part of the UK running scene now. And I think that everyone 
it's refocused a lot of people on on achieving a faster 5k time is there anyone was there like a session specifically that you always used to sort of get faster that you think everyone should always include in their training specifically for 5k yeah um so i I guess i enjoyed the challenge of 5k because it was you know when it because i was a 1500 meter mile specialist it's Mm. nice to do an event that's not in inverted commas yours yeah um so you don't feel the same kind of pressure um and actually but but actually all year and all throughout my career i probably trained more like a 1500 5k runner than i did a 8 15 runner and i was in good shape for 10k and, and so on um so some of the some of the sessions i'd say were key first off actually someone people ask me a lot like how did you make that step up from being being quite good to, to being you know olympic finalist yeah. and, and actually it's i didn't ever do that many spectacular track sessions where you'd come down and go oh my you know, how is it like yeah, humanly possible i did yeah. a lot of consistent training but the biggest thing i trained was my change with my tempo runs actually so not the speed stuff yeah um because i struggled probably to keep up and in a 1500 or 5k a lot of it's not pure speed it's keeping up and then yeah. still being there with a lap to go whatever. holding on the endurance yeah. side of stuff right yeah. so at various points uh, we're, we're digressing a bit aren't we but we're, no, we're, it's good. various points in my um career when I was in really good shape I'd be running six mile or 10k tempo six, uh, six mile was my staple tempo distance yeah. and I'd usually do them progressively so I'd start slow and every mile or every two mile chunk I'd, I'd raise my heart rate and go quicker okay. up to a pretty controlled heart rate threshold like the whole point of mm. lactate threshold running and I knew, I knew what my values should be from in the lab and all that sort of stuff so it was still really controlled I was definitely not racing and I was um really religious about the heart rates but i'd still be running uh you know six miles in like a fair bit inside 29 minutes so um probably roughly a sub 30k sort of 30 minute 10k effort not not all the time by by any means but like that shows that when i was in that shape then i was i was in good shape Mm. for for longer distances as well i mean my Thresholds always, my, my tempo runs always got quicker and easier when I did the speed work as well, because you, you're kind of yep. working in, in both sides of the of the event that you're aiming for. But but to answer your question properly, um, the probably two sessions that, that spring to mind, I used to do um, a session where we do, uh, so this is on the track, we do a, a K and then a 400, and then we repeat that four times. Right. Um, and the, the recovery between the K and the 400 was was short. It's either 30 seconds or a minute, um, probably depending on how fit I was and how much yeah. I was struggling. And then three three to five minutes recovery between each set of those. Oh, that's uh, so that's um, terrible maths in my head. That's just over 5K of volume, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, 5.6K. Um, and we'd be trying to, I'd be trying to run the, the Ks at my 5K pace mm. um, or slightly quicker. And then the 400s hard, so the 400s not not flat out, but probably sort of 1500 meter pace. Right. Um, so eight percent or something. Like that. I definitely felt harder than that. that but, uh, I never right, really thought about my running in percentages either. Actually, well, yeah, I guess percentage of like zone in terms of heart rate, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. Well, they they were they were tough, and that that's why I had the slightly longer recovery after those 400s. Right. But that gives you the. We always talked about pace either side, so yeah. I kind of described the, the threshold runners as probably being that slower pace strength. So I was in good 10K shape to run a good 5K. But you also need to be in good 1,500-meter shape. I appreciate not everyone's going to go out and run a mile as hard as they can, but you still need to train faster than, than your, your race pace. And that's the that was always how we worked. So when I was trying to run a good 1,500, I needed to be in good 5K shape, but also good 800 shape. Um, and so you would try and train either side of the pace. 
There we go. And what is your running condition now, Andy? What have you been up to? <laughs> um, it is not great, but not terrible. Some, somewhere in the middle. I when I when I stopped running, so I certainly never say that I retired, mm. um, but but I I did just stop. So at the end of 2016, I hadn't got back to quite where I wanted to be, which was I wanted to be in the Olympics in Rio and um, had a lot of trouble with injuries and stuff and didn't really get that close, if I'm honest. Um, but I did achieve some things that I didn't think I might at, at some point that season. Once I'd written off the Olympics, all of a sudden I felt a bit freer and I ran a, a sub four minute mile and a, and a good 3K. Um, and that, I think, gave me enough uh, closure, I suppose, to, really? to to stop competing. I think had had I not had a season at all, or, or I hadn't quite got back to that level, mm. I, I might still be chasing it now. But but uh, with two young kids, at the end of that year, twenty sixteen, I decided I couldn't be as selfish as it, as it requires to compete at that level, um, and so stopped. And actually, I stopped altogether. So I probably didn't run for close to a year at wow. all, really. Maybe like the odd jog, um, but I just I hated it. I didn't want to be running. I, I you know something that was this um, something something that was this passion or this hobby that I happened to be good at had become my job and there's a lot of pressure that comes along with that so being free to not feel that guilt of uh, having to run because it was in my, my plan. Do you think or, having kids kind of helped you kind of definitely, step away? Yeah it helped it helped see see a bit more clearly what life priorities yeah. I, I had and wanted to, to to kind of pursue and spend my time doing um, and I, I think I just enjoyed the freedom of not having to run yeah. like uh, of not you know knowing that I had a specific training plan and race that I was working to that was really nice and it took that that time nine to twelve months for me to actually want to run again and then I realized how unfit I was getting and it probably was quite bad for me to not be doing any I, I was doing a bit of exercise but not enough um, and so now I probably try and run once or twice a week and, and every time I do I'm like I'm going to do more I'm going to do more and, and it is diff- difficult now I've got a real job and um, kids and stuff like that, and I will prioritise the kids above above squeezing a run in. But yeah. um, I, before Christmas, so fairly recently, I decided I'd start doing the odd park run again. That that and that has been a, you know, I, I didn't think that park run could affect me in the same way as as perhaps it's affected millions of other people um, because I'm so familiar with it and because I'd run so much. But having gone along pre Christmas, you know, just as just 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 to get involved yeah. um, I, I felt that kind of that buzz that magic of, of the running community again and mm. and actually found it really contagious and um, I've done a few more and I, so I'm just running I'm running once a week on a Sunday trying to do sort of somewhere between 10-12 miles with the guys local to me in, on, uh, at the club um, and that's that's my target to be able to do what I'd consider a proper Sunday run with them so sort of 90 minutes of running yeah. um, and then if I can do anything else in the week it's a bonus I rarely do um at the moment, and then at the odd park run when I can. Um, no racing, other than a park run, yeah. <laughs> which I know is a run, not a race. Yeah. Um, I, I all of a sudden, more recently, I've thought, oh, you know what, I could do road relays or maybe the cross country season nice. or something. Yeah. But I haven't raced. Um, the, the most recent park run I did, I went down to see Ross Murray, who I ran in London 2012 with, um, and he sort of he said, oh, I'm going to do Bushy Park Run. You should you should come down. So I thought, well, yeah, why not? Yeah. So I, I did that and hung on to him for as long as I could and I ran I actually ran a I've been joking with some of the guys I know I ran a what I've been calling a PRPB a post-retirement PB <laughs> um, I'm 15 50 something nice um, which and then all of a sudden I, you know my, my coach is like oh right okay training this week <laughs> um, so so yeah that's been that's been all of a sudden I think oh, I'm at a level now where I don't mind coming out and I've got no qualms about losing no yeah, yeah. I, I don't worry about that at all um 
but I still want to be running at what I feel like is a decent level. So that's been quite a nice balance. Oh, perfect. Well, Andy, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and telling us a little bit about your, your Olympic journey and, of course, how to get faster at 5K. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. This is the Runner's World Podcast. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So continuing on our fast 5K mission, it's not unsurprising that the current British 10,000 metre champion is also pretty great over 5K. So it's our pleasure to welcome the holder of the Parkrun women's record with a time of 15 minutes and 50 seconds at Cardiff Parkrun, Charlotte Arter. Charlotte, welcome to the Runners World podcast. The rest of the nation was kind of, you know, enjoying leftover turkey, trying to pick their New Year's resolutions, all that kind of thing. You started the year with a bit of a bang, not only with a park run record, but a new Welsh half marathon record a month later. How did you get off to such a strong start? Did you get like a superpower for Christmas? What happened? <laughs> um, well, yeah, no, it, this year did start off um, really well. Um, I had a really solid block of training, I guess, kind of the back end of December and over the Christmas period, um, as well as enjoying the festivities with family and friends, but um, got a hard block of training in. Um, so I tend to use park runs as a bit of a tune-up before the bigger races. Um, so I had the Great Sterling Cross Country on the 12th of January. Um, so we decided to do the Cardiff Park Run the week before. Um, so I was really pleased. I was trying to, obviously, um, I had the Cardiff Park Run record before, which was 1610. Um, so I had that in mind, but it was more just to get the lungs and legs going um, before the race the following weekend. 
Um, so was the was the was the main training for that for that Sterling race, or was it uh, heading towards the half marathon? Um, it was kind of both. In the short term, it was for the Sterling race because it was a week before. Um, so five k is quite a good way to kind of just see where you are and, and get the legs and lungs going before a hard race the following weekend. Um, so at this point, Sterling was kind of the main the main aim, and then I obviously knew I had the half marathon in February, um, but we were going to kind of turn our attention to that after the Sterling cross country because um, that was my last cross country race of the season. Um, so, so yeah. How did how did Sterling work out? I haven't I haven't seen the results of that one. Um, Sterling went well. So um, it's the great Sterling cross country. So it's the competition between Great Britain, um, the USA, and Europe. Right. Um, so I finished um, second individually, um, and we finished second as a team um, with Great Britain. Oh, fantastic! So it went well. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it went really well. Park run, park run, teamed well before that race. Oh, amazing! So you work at Cardiff Uni, and you look after the high performance program. What would you say the most important bit of advice you have for anyone out here listening to this, park run fans looking to get their best five k time? Um, yeah, so I'm actually um, currently on a career break at the moment. Um, so I was working full time um, and Cardiff University have been um, great in supporting, I guess, my running goals. Um, and I've got a year out of work to concentrate full time on running. Oh, that's great. Nice. Um, so I'm taking the, every opportunity I've got and making the most of this year to, to see, A, if I enjoyed being a full time athlete um, and B, like, I didn't want to look back yeah. in 10 years time and wonder what I could have done. So um yeah, currently full-time athlete at the moment. Oh, amazing. Um, How's that going? Is it, do you get to get up at like 10 or is it like <laughs> like a 9 to 5? <laughs> Not quite 10, but no, it just means I have a, a lot more time in my day. So everything does start. I mean, I get up a little later, but nothing's massively changed in terms of my training and my mileage. Um, it's just given me more time to work on all the little things that I was so rushed to fit in, like yeah. stretching and foam rolling and all the rehab side of things. Um, so it's just given me more time to, I guess, work on my weaknesses and, and maximise recovery, um, which before it was kind of go, 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 you know, running before work, working nine to five and then, and then running after. So definitely enjoying having a little bit more time on my hands. So now that this is, a, this is the full time game, what's, what's the goals for the rest of the year? Um, so goals, I guess, short term are um, try and qualify for the World Championships um, later this year on the track. Um, so there's the um, nine to ten thousand meters, um, which is the beginning of July. Um, that's the that's the trial race. Um, but you've also got to run a standard. So so that's my my aim for this year, and then just keep building year on year, and, and hopefully um, try and make it to the Olympics, whether that's in 2020 or 2024. So lots to work towards, um, but just to keep working hard and, and enjoying what I'm doing. And do you think you're gonna you're gonna throw some more park runs in there? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to have to. Um, there's, there's after I'd done the um, park run in January, a couple of other runners had done it. So um, Jess Piaski, I know, ran super close to the record. So it's definitely not safe. So I'll have to try and go and, um, go and hit the park run later this summer um, and try and lower my time. We um we were talking to Andy about tra- key training sessions that sort of no one should be omitting from their from their their diaries in terms of getting fast for a 5K. Is there anything that you always make sure that you're doing is it sort of a, a solid tempo or is there a, a track session that you always rely on 
Um, I think as long as you're getting in um, a couple of runs in the week um, and that one of those runs is a little bit longer than the park run, um, so whether that's, you know, 30 to 40 minutes, um, just easy running, Mm -hmm. and then something a bit quicker, so faster than what you'd be running your your park run time in. So that could be um, going to the park and doing um, two-lap kind of tempo with a little bit of a break and then do that again, or whether it's um, like shorter sprints in a run so you can go jog for 10 minutes and then do like 10 to 15 like 30 seconds 30 to 60 second sprints so you could just either use um lampposts or visual guides where you're running um and just mix it up a bit so that you're running faster than you would um done the park run so as long as you're getting like a quicker session and then a longer session in each week um and keep that consistent week in week out then you should see the um some improvements in your park run yeah, that was um, great. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wor- words of wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. No worries. And all the best for the new season. Yeah, good luck. Thank you very much. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks. This is the Runner's World podcast. So I've got a bit of news. Okay. Kerry McCarthy is not here this week. He's on holiday. Rick and Kerry just on holiday. All casual. the time. Just unbelievable. When you're listening to this, guys, <laughs> you're away all the time. <laughs> but according to new research, uh, men in particular, I think the, the research proves, but men should favour running and weightlifting over cycling in order to look after their bones. Because the University of Mississippi measured the bone density of men and women between uh, between the ages of 35 and 50. And results found that 28% of males showed precursor signs of osteoporosis compared to 26% of women. Researchers concluded that many of the males in the study were keen cyclists, but according to research, this non-weight-bearing form of exercise does not help improve bone density, whereas running, which is weight-bearing, does. That is so there you go. Interesting. So there's a there's a big tick in the running box versus the running versus cycling box. Bone density. Bone, yeah. Look after your bones. All right. You, you got any bits? Um, the Belfast Marathon has got longer. Oh no. Again, um, it was due to human error. So you always feel sorry for yeah, that. I mean, you know. Sure. You know they can't be right all the time. Yep. But for those people who did run it, it was naught point. Three, four miles too long, which I guess you really feel at the end yeah. of 26.2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the time has been adjusted, and it's good news and bad news. London Marathon has said they will accept the adjusted time and they're good for age. That's good. Run Britain, Power of 10, have said they will only accept the finisher time. Ooh. So I imagine it's something that they're still working on yep. and looking at the small print, but. Well, yeah. I mean, these things happen, don't they? Sometimes. Yeah. Not that much, but, you know, it's interesting to see that, you know, Good for age counts, but not perhaps on your, your general yeah. running portfolio on your power of 10. But anyway, there we go. I mean, you'd be annoyed if that was your one run where you know. Oh, you nailed did it. like 2.15. <laughs> Sorry, true. forget that. Yeah, yeah, true. And well, then I think old news, probably, but news to talk about is the um, Celebrate You campaign at the Vitality London 10K. Yeah, this was great. Where Bryony Gordon with a host of her kind of celeb friends and everyday runners, um, ran through London in their underwear, which I thought was great. And I've had so many people kind of be like, oh, I found it really inspiring and Mm. positive. And I think it's a real reminder that running is much more than your PB or what you look like, but just kind of celebrating and that community and... Yes, I mean, seriously brave though as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, serious 
respect for them all. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's a huge thing to do. So that, sadly, brings us to the end of this week's Runner's World podcast. I'd like to say a huge thank you to our guests Andy Badley and Charlotte Arter, who I think have really inspired me to get out of bed on Saturday and do a park run, and to number eight studios in Soho where this was recorded. For more news, reviews and interviews and much, much more, please head over to runnersworld.com slash UK. Please like and subscribe on iTunes and thanks to Acast, our hosting partner. Thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.